welcome to season two of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman. If you haven't already, go check out my new website. You can view the latest episode, fan favorites, and even submit a question to future guests. You can visit the website at letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. You can also find the link in the show notes. The song you just heard is Come Together by Gary Clark Jr. and Junkie XL, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Zach Dominguez. So Zach is currently the president and head of coaching at MWC Wrestling Academy in Omaha. His wrestling academy has produced 50 high school state champions and currently has 40 college wrestlers ranging from JUCO to Division I. As a wrestler, Zach was a three-time Nebraska State champion, two-time U.S. Open All-American, placed third at the 04 Olympic Team Trials, and fourth at the 05 World Team Trials. There's a wealth of knowledge in this episode, folks. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Zach Dominguez. Uh, how do you get into the club? Like... Um, can anybody join? Anybody can join. So uh, most of the time we don't take, you know, one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, five years old is probably the youngest. I like six. And the reason I like six is because they've been in school for a couple of years. So they're learning uh, how to take instruction yeah, and a kindergarten right. teacher, they have a preschool mm-hmm. teacher. All things being equal, I'm not the first person that's yelling at them, right? So that's positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if they're already taking instruction and then a lot of times if they're young, but like, so I'll use um, um, a soon-to-be, I know a young boy that's gonna come here that's five, but his dad's was an ex-wrestler, uh, Austin Bone. He will be in the room also with his five-year-old, so it kinda helps that. So if you're gonna be five, but you're gonna be a coach in the room, we'll, we can, we'll, we'll figure it out, right? We'll no. make it work, right? And eventually, Austin won't coach his little one, but I'll put him in charge of like six other little ones, and I'll be in charge of all the dad's boys, right? Because mm-hmm. it's easier for me to coach them versus their dads. Um, but so like, you know, six years old, that's about right. They took about two years of, you know, preschool and kindergarten, yeah. you know, they're getting taught. So they understand a, they understand a classroom setting. They understand, you know, there's a person in charge, you know, it, it, I don't know when I was six, I'm sure I wasn't the ideal candidate for wrestling, you know, <laughs> running around, making noises, you know, picking on kids or getting picked on one of the two. Um, but when you're young, you know, I try to keep you in a room that's uh, simple and easy, non-competitive just get you to love the sport a little bit because wrestling is such a hard sport when you get older. It's like a giant bait and switch, right? Hey, it's really fun. Let's play a lot of games when you're little. This is super great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're, you're you know, you're nine and somehow you're in Tulsa Nationals and, and you're getting screamed at on every corner and it's loud and you're like, what is happening? And you go 0 oh, and 2, right? God forbid you go 0 oh, and 2 and it's it's the worst day ever. No ice cream, no free t-shirt, you know, all the things that you want, corn dogs, you name it. Um, and they and it's it's a struggle. So I, I mean, my, my goal is if you're six, I would love for you to have less than, by the time you hit 10 or 11, less than 50 matches. Wow. Like it would be awesome to keep it low and minimal because eventually wrestling is going to get very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's, there's, no, there's no time when you get older that it's easier, right? Because there's always somebody out there that's probably been wrestling since they were three, <laughs> a thousand moves, and you're like, oh my God, what is this happening? And you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, but eventually, your the, the longevity is what wins in wrestling quite a bit. Not not better technique, not you know this or that, or who's tougher, who's who's got this metal. But I mean, you can um, we'll use a great example, two great examples. 
if everyone was David Taylor, we would have all started when we were five. We'd win every time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? I would love to have been David Taylor because he won everything. Mm-hmm. Still winning everything. But you know who didn't win everything? And it took him forever to get there. And a lot of people don't know this is Kyle Dick. Really? He was 26 or 27 before he made a world team. He didn't... He didn't win a world title. He was behind Jordan yeah. for a very, very long time. And don't get me wrong, he's not behind a bum. But Jordan Bros right. is amazing, uh-huh. right? So it's not like he's he's like, oh, I just couldn't beat this guy. Yeah, he won four NCAA titles, but he didn't. I, I would bet if you go back or you take you compare him with like a Yanni, they had minimal matches, right? They won a lot of titles, but they won the important titles. They didn't uh-huh. win every tournament leading up or every tournament going there. You know, I mean, it is. Crazy to think, and I mean this, and, and I'm actually partners with David Taylor in the PNL, so I talk to David quite a bit. I mean, he won a lot of things. Like it's amazing what he, he won. Like I think, I think he's got his first first place medal that lasted for 40 years. It's silly. And I don't, but I don't know enough about Kyle Dacre, Yanni, to speak to that. I don't know enough about David Taylor to speak to that. But David, or excuse me, Kyle Dacre sat behind Jordan for a very long time. Now mm-hmm. he's four time world champ. The boy doesn't lose. He's third in the Olympics in 2020, um, or 2021, 
right? He fought hard. He was little. He was always, he was in a weight class where he was too small. Um, he was coachable. He listened. He was a great kid. Um, and he's a super phenomenal. I've had great times with him, even at the senior level when, when we cross over Greco and freestyle crossing over day, days. We get to see Thomas. I get to talk to him, right? And and, um, and like I said, by no means, there's no Zach Dominguez influence in that scenario. But at least I can say I knew when he was little, He's still doing it, mm-hmm. right? So maybe, maybe I said, "Hey, have more fun when you're little." So he's like, "That's what I'm doing. So I'm gonna have more fun." I don't know. That's that's mm-hmm. totally, you know, here, there, and everywhere. But he's still wrestling, and he's very hard to beat. He's like unbelievably tough. Um, I wish we could have more Thomas Gilman stories, because Thomas was a boy that wanted to be coached, enjoyed being coached, and and loved wrestling. So he made life really fun as a coach mm-hmm. um, but then you know you go on to like other people that were right after him were Trent Travis Paulson out of the room again Keith and I were running that room Keith was in charge I was the assistant and I went everywhere with the twins right they mm-hmm. were NCAA champions they were world team members they were super cool don't tell them I said that they're awesome <laughs> blah 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 but now they're recruiting they have three of our boys from this club they have Garrett Grice Nick Hamilton and Gable Porter are, are all being there so it, it's a vicious circle in wrestling. It's super awesome, right? So I've known the twins since they were like fifth graders. I'm one of the probably the few people that can go in and pick on them and no gets picks on them. I like picking on them. That's what I do. But they're super fun. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I see them in tournaments. We still coach at the same level. They're coaching at my level, and they're and they're doing great. I mean, they're 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 amazing. And I know, and, and Mike got my roots in coaching in Iowa, so. There isn't like a Dalton Jensen out of Kearney. Mm-hmm. Him and my brother Esai were training partners, so I've known Dalton since he's a third grader, right? There's Dylan Carew at Big Game Wrestling Club, oh, yeah. Russell Greco for me, and I love him. I actually got to present the Greco Roman Developmental Coach of the Year to him at Fargo this year, right? He wrestled for me, and then I got to present him that award. I mean, it's, it's super fun, right? So I get to have the best of everything, and I have, I have, the, I have the best of everything. And I get to do it all the time. I mean, I can't complain. I really can't. I just can't. I can't. <laughs> do you, does it ever, like, do you ever hit a wall where you're like, man, I, I can't do it today or like this yeah. week? Like, I mean, you have to at some point. No, you, you think you would. You're right. You know what? I can remember um, probably when I was a really young coach and 18 to, 18 to let's call it uh, 25. I was still competing at the time, too. I was wrestling Greco, but I'd come home. I wrestled in Nebraska. I'd come home during the summers, coach freestyle Greco. I didn't coach any folk style, not the high school seasons, but I coached the freestyle Greco during the summer. I took over as cadet Greco coach in Iowa in 2002, so four years with Iowa. 2002, Iowa cadet Greco coach. Jason Christensen was the head coach. We won a Fargo title that year, and then... He moved on to junior director. I took over as junior Greco coach and then oversaw it all. And won a, we won Fargo in 2006. Mm. That was that year, and then 2007, some stuff, whatever. It's all good, right? It doesn't really matter. But my point is, I'm, I've made it to points of success. And then when I was, as I won certain things as a head coach, I got to go to the next step, which was uh, UNO. In 2006, I started coaching at UNO. Um, we were third and third, and then first, first, first. As a team, right, we had ridiculously good boys on our team, uh, ranging from Iowa, Nebraska, and Kansas. That was our, that's where we recruited from the most. Mike Denny was, you know, and just think of Bill Belichick, that's how I think of Mike Denny, right? I mean, that's honestly what I do. He, he won 
I mean, he's got seven seven NCAA championships underneath his belt, um, and a myriad in those in that and that I think in those ten or twelve years with those six titles, none of them were less than third. Right, so he went twelve years for finishing, never finishing less than third, and some silly number of, of dual titles. Like he had more dual titles than he had uh, in the era NCAA titles in his team. So maybe like nine and seven, and then from ninety nine to two thousand twelve, he was never less than third in anything. Right, I mean that's crazy. I mean, there's other teams that are amazing. Like Grand Views with Mitchell right. nine in a row, missed one year, that number ten the next year. Gable in the early '80s and '90s, mm-hmm. where he was nine in a row, ten in a row, something like that. But I mean, that's where Mike belongs. Mike belongs in that in that talk, mm-hmm. right? So I worked for Belichick, right? Bill Belichick, right? Mike Denny. So I got to see the greatest greatest parts of any any NCAA level. I got to coach my brothers. They all wrestled very well. My brother Eli was three time All American. Eli was two time All American. Super awesome. So, in order to hit a wall, I think sometimes you have to be stagnant. You have to be in standing water, right? You're never, you're not evolving, right? So, about the time, I'm sure you'll ask me about this later, we got dropped at UNO. I was like, well, I'm not done coaching because I really like doing it because I, I, we've been winners for so long. We started MWC, and then it was a whole new task. So, everything's been evolving since 2011 in the club. So, we went from having... In the first year, 60 wrestlers. Now we're at 250. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And I, I love, I can tell you, I damn near know every kid's name in the club as they move on, as they come in. That's my first goal is to know everybody's name. We have, well, from 11 to 14, we were growing, we were getting stronger, getting, we were establishing year-round wrestling, establishing things that hadn't been established in Nebraska, um, and and really made it, drove it home to a lot of people here. Um, and then everybody started understanding that. And there's been clubs that have popped up since then that do year-round, but we, we set the standard, right? right? We set the standard, and everybody everybody gets that, right? Um, there's clubs that go year-round, and they're very good. But we set the standard. We, we built a system, and now we've moved on. The last count I took was like uh, 67 kids to from D3 and above, uh, 25 kids to NAI and JUCO. So we're almost to 100. Uh, we just reached about, we just reached the mark of $10 million in scholarships from 2016 on um, in athletic scholarship and like 9 million in academic scholarship out of the club. Kids just moving forward, right? Doing their thing. And, and the great part is now I have kids that are coming back that wrestled for me. Um, that are coaching in the high school system here in Nebraska, or they're um, they have children that I coach now, mm-hmm. um, and it's super fun, right? So I haven't stood still because there hasn't been a time where I can't stand still. Mm-hmm. So in order to get hit a wall or get bored or burnt out, right? You can throw all those together. I think that you have to. It, everything has to be the same. I'm not getting better, right? I'm getting beat up. I'm not getting better. I I really tried hard, but I didn't win the tournament, right? Things there's a lot of things people will say, but nothing's ever stood still. There's always been something cool that's happened. Um, for instance, we had Gable Porter and Jackson Owell both just signed to D1 college mm-hmm. or colleges. Gable's going to Virginia. Jackson's going to Air Force. So that marks off number. Uh, 19 and 20 for D1s for us. So we've got 20 D1 kids out of the club in the last 10 years. 
Nebraska hasn't seen that in a long time since the early 90s or late 90s. Um, and there's good kids going to college like Joel Adams from uh, Best Wrestlers mm-hmm. going to Michigan. Super awesome. So there's more than that out of Nebraska. It's not just our club. There's quite a few that are happening, right? And there's going to be more. There's going to be late signers in the spring that mm-hmm. I think we'll have a, a lot of D2 kids uh, leaving, this, or leaving the high school system this year. Um, but the, the, the freshman, sophomore class right now is really good. Uh, actually, I would say seventh through sophomore. So seventh grade. So when the seventh graders are freshmen and those sophomores or seniors, we're going to see a really good group again, like we saw probably two years ago in Nebraska, three years ago, with the Max Mayfields and though that senior group. And then the next year was like Isaac Trumbull and his group. Oh, yeah. And the next year was like Tyler Antoniak and his group. So that group, that, that will be happening again when the sophomores or seniors, there will be a shift like that again. And again, like I said, it's just because there's a path, everybody understands the direction, and we're all moving the same way. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Wow, yeah. So my first question that comes to mind is, is there a, a mountaintop that you're like, it just seems like you just keep going for the next goal, and yeah. like you're, you're just like, well, what's next, what's next, what's next? Like you Yeah, just, so, you know. I mean, do you have like an ultimate goal? Like what is <laughs> So as an ultimate goal, it would be, I, I've coached at three world senior world championships. 2024 would be a great year for me to say I coached at the Olympics in Paris or 2028. Um, I mean, I'll do it because I'm stupid. <laughs> I would love to be an Olympic coach in 2024. I've put the work in. I believe it will happen. Um, the wrestlers that are that are in play right now are all athletes that I know or coached when they were young from you've, um, from Junior Worlds, Cadet Worlds, and Senior Worlds. Um but an ultimate goal, I mean, I'll be honest with you, my ultimate goal is that one day is to leave a good legacy in this club to another coach or a group of coaches that can continue to move it down the right path, pardon me, to move it down the right path. And I would love to go back and say, all right, I don't have to do seniors anymore. I don't have to do high schools. I'm going to coach the, the the six through eight-year-olds. Really? Yeah. Because when you, when you get to coach them, you're the first one to show them anything. And they don't know any different. Like, All right, well, you know, I'm, I'm gonna get this leg, or I'm gonna grab the head, or whatever it may be. So when I get to do that, I can still leave an imprint. If I do it right, leave an imprint all the way through college. Hopefully, it's a good imprint. <laughs> and if I can't leave a good imprint, I don't want to do it anymore. And the other goal is, my wife told me I can't have a dog until I'm done with uh, senior level wrestling. So after 2024, if I if, if I if I can reach my goal, I get to have a dog. So I'll be a little bit more. So I like dogs. I grew up with dogs, and so that's my other side of it. <laughs> I get to have a dog. Um, but I got a younger brother. Um, I have um, Wilcox at Doan. I have a lot of Matt Ryan, uh, Dane Peterson. Um, and there's other wrestlers. I would really love to see Joey Harrison. He comes once a week, but I'd love to see him more. Um, Wesley Dawkins is back in town. He actually works for me on the insurance side. And um, those are kids I would love to hand the club over to, help them. I would help them manage it and then let them run with it. Mm-hmm. Let them put their own, uh, their own, what do you want to say, their own print on it, mm-hmm. right? It's their world, they do it. I would, I would give them wisdom and knowledge, right? As much as I could, but I don't know. I don't ever see. I cause you know I think about I think about weird things. Mm-hmm. Like what if I have grandchildren and then one of them's a boy? Am I not gonna coach him? Like I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like I don't know what to do. I'm like oh. <laughs> right. Zach Wilcox has already given me a hard time. He's like, hey, his oldest boy Xander is. Let's see. I think he's four now. Four, four 
maybe now he's four for sure four for sure which means he's going to start him wrestling in the next couple of years and i'm like well 2024 i'm going to be done he's like no <laughs> no i'm you're going to coach my son and then i and he just had another little boy's aid and i'm like dude i cannot stick around a coach forever but because because it's zach or because it's somebody that i've coached it would be more fun to do that because it would be good so i don't know when that i don't know when the end is i don't know i don't know what the end looks like but I do know no matter what, where I will end up will be with those six to eight-year-olds. In the end, mm-hmm. that's where I will end up. Wow. Did you know, like you said earlier, that Nebraska hasn't really seen a club like this or, you know, hasn't seen the success in quite a while? Did you know you could get it done here in Nebraska? Well, number one, yes. I, here's why. Because who I grew up with was like a Brad Varing, uh, Zach Stalder, David Miller, myself. Uh, there was a young, the oldest McCorney. There was good wrestlers in Nebraska. We just didn't have a system, right? And every, every, um, every, every great wrestling program has come through a system. And I, and I don't care what you can you can try to stop me, but it's not true. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> all, all we were lacking, and I spent a lot of time from '98 to 2010 in Iowa. Right, and I, I always, I lived here. I grew up. I went to Creighton Prep. I went to grade school down the street from our club. I mean, I know, I know Nebraska very well. I wrestled with people quite a bit in Nebraska. My senior year, because I went to, um, so when I was a junior, I went overseas with a guy by the name of Mick Pickford. Wrestled in a no. tournament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mick, I wrestled at a freestyle tournament. Yeah. So did I. I actually got a W there. It was awesome. <laughs> right. I beat up a lot of kids. It was super fun. Um, but Mick, I got along with him really good. I said, Mick. My coach since eighth grade has been Keith Massey. Yeah. I go, I don't understand why I have to go to uh, wrestle for Nebraska when my coach is in Iowa. And at the time, the rules were very, very vague on how you who you wrestle for. All you had to do was ask for permission, essentially. So Mick goes, he wrote me a letter. Hey, we accept you, Zach Dominguez. You just go ask your state chair, um, which was David or Dennis Miller at the time. And my dad, I told my dad, Mick says I can wrestle in Iowa as long as we ask the coach or ask the state chair. And again, at the time, there was, it, it wasn't a thing that happened normally. Nobody just asked. But, you know, we're Omaha Council Bluffs, as you right. know. I know the listeners don't know the geography, but the Missouri River separates Nebraska and Iowa. Pretty much. Right? And Iowa, or Council Bluffs and Omaha are on the river. Yeah. So me going to Council Bluffs is a 20-minute car ride. Not yeah. a big deal. So there's a little background. Um so my dad asked Dennis, but my dad asked Dennis to go, hey, can you release the Dominguez family to Iowa? And Dennis said, yes, God love him because he did. He, was, he loved wrestling, so he didn't want to hold wrestlers back. So that was super awesome. So then once I switched, Eli switched and Eastai switched. So I only had one year in Iowa. I won Fargo for Iowa that year. Um, that was the year that Jasmine Smith and myself won it. Yep, 97, Andy Harrison was cadet champ. Matt Anderson was All-American. There was, was a stupid amount of good wrestling. Yeah. Right? It was really good. Um, I just got to be a part of that show. Jason and Mark were coaches. Uh, actually, Jason was the, um, the coach at the time. Mark was the junior director at the time. And that goes back to what we talked about with... Um, Mark and uh, Jason, but I, those two yahoos have been have been in my uh, in my corner for a very long time. Um, then Eli was a freshman, so he wrestled that year. He wrestled all four years in Iowa for freestyle Greco, but in Nebraska for folk style. And then the rules changed, so they weren't not <laughs> that anymore. But unfortunately for Nebraska or Iowa, they had to take Eli into Iowa because that's the way we we designed the letter. Well, that's the way my father designed the letter. So Eli actually wrestled in AAU state. Right, he wrestled all of it in Iowa. He didn't have 
he was a folk style only high school wrestler in Nebraska. So very similar to Thomas Gilman, right? But in reverse. He wrestled, well, no, actually the same, mm-hmm. but he is from Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So Eastside wrestled AAU State, USA State, um, Cadets Juniors, all the way through growing up in Iowa. He never, he didn't know what the difference was, right? Then he only had to come back to Nebraska to win. Uh, he was a four-time finalist, two-time state champ. Uh, so he, he just came back to Nebraska for high school, but he won Fargo. He was an All-American for Iowa. Um, eighth grade on, two-time finalist, four or five-time All-American, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He's a jerk. Nobody wants to talk about that. <laughs> um, but what was I calling this? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, 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 as I'm coaching this this time frame, I'm still watching the other side of Nebraska, see how it's gone. And Nebraska got lost for a while, right? But they had really good wrestlers. I mean, really good. They had the Perkins boys come through. They had Todd Neely come through. They've had, um, they had Valdez come through. They had Matt McCanny come through, right? They had mm. multiple champions, multiple All-Americans, you name it. You Just tons of good wrestlers. But they weren't, it wasn't organized. Freestyle Greco was lost, uh, lost in the weeds. So in 2010, I came back. I said, hey, how about I uh, come help? I don't want to travel as much anymore. I'm going to stay home because I was coaching at UNO. I thought, no, oh, this makes sense. We're going to recruit. Why wouldn't I, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, UNO lost the program. Then I started a club. And then, of course, it makes it easier for me to stay here. But we have lots of Iowa Glenwood kids come over. We have, like I said, Jackson's from north central Iowa or north northwest central right, in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, that a young family used to come down to quite a bit. Um, we've had kids come down from that area a long, a long time. Marshall Cote used to come down before he got a new job over the big game. Oh, okay. So Marshall and I, I Eastside and Marshall were the same age. So I said, whenever I see Marshall in tournaments, we shoot the shit. <laughs> um, sorry, I swear. Right. Uh, but so then I stayed here. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, after five years, I really tried to drive home an idea. Nebraska USA was like, no, we, we have a better idea. So actually, I'm not actually on the board for Nebraska USA. I don't do anything for Nebraska USA. I am, although on the board for USA Wrestling and the executive board for USA Wrestling. So I oversee a lot of things. I'm the chairman of the coaches council for USA Wrestling. I'm on the JOWC, which is the Junior Olympic Wrestling Committee for USA Wrestling. Uh, I'm also part of the sports Greco Sports Committee. We help with other policies and procedures now when you are trials process. So anytime you guys are like, well, how come he's qualified? That's something <laughs> that I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are the things I do. Uh, we handle a lot of board decisions. Uh, anything that entangles regionals and USA or nationals, right? Regionals and nationals um, and states are run by them, by themselves, but they're always a part of USA Wrestling. But I just run my club. Last year we had. 52 kids go to Fargo from our club. Wow. Um, and or 50, 50, no, we had, it was 42 and, and 63 overall. So I still push for it, right? I still work hard. I want everything. I want everybody to go wrestle. I, I don't care if you're, well, I do care. I don't want you to go 0-2, but sometimes that first-time experience is needed in order to be 6-2. And, mm-hmm. and then in order to be 9-2 and an All-American, sometimes you got to be 6-2. Right, mm-hmm. it's a tough. It's like I said, it's a bait and switch. I want, I want you to win all the time. I don't <laughs> want you to lose. That's not my goal. But our club travels quite a bit. Like um, we were in the PNL this year, and uh, we were in Chicago, and then we're going to go to Arizona with our eighth grade, fifth grade, to eighth grade group, and then we'll be back. We go to back to in April with our best high school, and so U twenty, U seventeen, U fifteen, and U twelve will go to Penn State. 
So as a club, we do travel quite a bit. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're part of the PNL's Premier National League, uh, which is uh, Pinnacle, Aspirin, Izzy, um, Cormier's Club, uh, Larkin's Club, which is, I can't remember the name, I'm gonna say it wrong. Larkin's Club, Young Guns, M2, and us. So that's the eight clubs that, re- that live in that PNL, and we'll open it up next year. We'll probably add 10 more teams, and it'll be our own league, and then we'll add 10 more. We'll probably max it out in that 32 range mm-hmm. somewhere there. Um, so we did our first event in Chicago. We had Nebraska, it, well, our club, not Nebraska, but our club had uh, nine guys in the top five through the through the 14 weight classes. So we were we won one weight class, which was 100, which was Cole Welty. Uh, our next one would have been like Cole or Hudson Loges out of Blair, who got I think he got third. Actually, I can't remember, but he got third. But Hudson and Cole, uh, as far as young guys go, they were they've been all Americans all year long. They're just stupid good at wrestling. Nobody likes them. They do stupid stuff. Um, and then, uh, but well, we all reside here, right? We met yeah. four or five times a week. We get after it. We wrestle. Scrap it up. It's good. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Is that were you part of the Elite Eight duels then too? No. So Elite Eight duels is what we're fighting against. I know oh. it sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy to say this. So I I think the concept of Elite Eight duels is really awesome. I get we want our best matchups, and a lot of fans want our best matchups, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not taking. I, I 100% think that's a great idea. But the problem is not in the wrestling. The problem is in the coaching. And you're gonna think I'm crazy for saying this. A little bit. But I'll listen. The problem is you only have so many great coaches in the United States. Right. Which means you're going to get asked to coach, and one day you might have to coach one against one of your kids because he got picked up by another club to go wrestle the Elite Duels. Imagine you're a coach, mm-hmm. and you're going to go to this tournament. It was like, hey, i got four guys on this team, and that guy says, hey, you want to come coach? And you're like, sure. But three of your other guys are on the opposite team. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Coach, what would you do? You got to step away, right? Okay. Right. Ideally, that's what you're gonna. I'm not picking. I'm picking on you right now, but I'm not. I know what you're saying. Mean. This is the problem. Yeah. So let's pretend there's, and I and I know that my number is going to be way off, and I'm sure somebody's going to be super pissed when I say this. But let's pretend there's 50 solid wrestling coaches in the country at at youth youth level, and let's call it. Um, Junior and below, because by the time they're seniors, if they've already signed, they're not wrestling. Mm-hmm. So juniors in high school to uh, ten years old to seventeen years old. That that gap, right? Ten to seventeen. Fifty coaches. Now, there's forty or fifty thousand coaches in the country, but those forty or fifty thousand coaches are building it around their their own athlete, right? They might be in a garage. Mm-hmm. They could they could borrow from their school. They could do they can do whatever they want. But are they really developing? And I know this is a very contradictual thing. So you're gonna hopefully you get a lot of hopefully people listening. You're gonna be like that's an asshole. <laughs> but at some point, if you're doing a good job as a coach, you're gonna coach against one of your own kids. I mean that you're going. It's going to happen. You don't want it to happen. So now we started looking at who's got good developmental clubs. And when you do that, you just bring your own kids. Whether they're going to win or lose doesn't really matter. You, I might bring my worst wrestler, but he's developed. He's being developed by me, and he needs this experience. And he needs to not be um, yelled at by another coach or, or beat up or however you want to do it. But the PNL is going to provide um, a successful learning space, is the way I call it. And whether you win or lose, you're still getting great competition. You might get your ass kicked. You might win a match or two. 
But if I get the coach, if you know that you're if you're wrestling against Ben Askren or you're wrestling against Izzy or you're wrestling against Eric Larkin or Daniel Cormier, you know you're having good competition, mm-hmm. and you're going to feel good about that. You're not you're not wrestling a guy from I don't know. I'm just going to make up a name. Uh, Podunk, Nebraska, because his kids are. You know, he's got two or three kids that are super tough, and then they only go to Nebraska tournaments, and they beat up, you know, two or three kids every year, and they're like, I'm state champ. Yeah. That's not how it works. You know that. I know that. Our listeners should know that. They should absolutely know that. You you want to compete against the best. Even though you're not winning, you still want that competition. You still want that 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 look. Because we we as the United States, so here's a here's a here's a reach, but it's not a reach. In the United States, we have one of the we're one of the few countries that have a process of double elimination, and you have to win your trials. Which in freestyle, you're technically beating out an Olympian to be an Olympian. That doesn't exist anywhere else. You don't have to wrestle the Olympics twice. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, maybe two or three other countries, maybe four, do that process. They pick their guys. Like you, you're really good overseas and you win a lot. And even though this guy could beat you, he can't win overseas and you win, we're gonna take you. Mm-hmm. Well, in the United States, that doesn't work. That doesn't work at all. You have to win the Olympics twice in freestyle. I mean, Jordan Burroughs has to beat the world champion in order to be the world champion. And that's a that's a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa, Kyle. They can beat the world champion to be a world champion. That doesn't exist anywhere else. So what we're trying to do is mimic that process without having an elimination process. We're going to guarantee four or five matches in the PL. You go, you might go zero and five. It does that suck? Hundred percent. It does. Don't get me wrong. But anybody that's going to travel is going to go. Well, if I get five matches in, it might be worth my money. And I'm wrestling against the best coaches. I can I can hear things. I can I can do things. I can I can I can be better because of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of other sports are already doing this. We're just we're just late to the show as a wrestling as a wrestling community. We're uh, soccer, basketball. They already have their their young leagues. They already have leagues set up to put the best against the best. Mm-hmm. We just went a different way where we put the best coaches against each other. We just brought our athletes because we're assuming you're going to do a good job with your athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Which is proven, right? You can you can look at back at track record. Have you put guys on a world team? Have you brought home world medals? Have you done things of that nature, right? Yes. Okay, so you're probably a good coach. We will bring you into this league, right? Mm-hmm. And, and next year, though, we don't have any teams from Iowa, but next year I can tell you, I bet that, like, a young, or a big game and Seabold will be in. Um, and of course, I probably going to yell at me for saying this, but out out uh, out east, we're going to try to bring southeast in. We're going to find like uh, ironclad on Ohio, a couple Ohio teams. Um, try to find an Illinois team, right? We're just in the beginning. We're not saying we're the best. We just went first, and then we're going to bring everybody else in and keep doing it, right? Keep making it right for everyone, um, because the idea would be we do we would grow it so it's regional, and then we'd have our own national tournament in the end, right? That would be. Or duels, regional duels, and then run a regional duel or national duel tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, is what we're after. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of uh, Brandon Paulson and uh, mm-hmm. Max and Ben Askren were the, uh, the and, and Izzy were the front thinkers on this with Joey Trip Matter. They did a lot of thought process behind this. They did a good job. The first, and I'm number seven, and number eight was David. So I'd like to say that I was in there before David. <laughs> but the first six were Cormier, Paulson, and Lark or Paulson and Lawrence. Larkin, uh, Izzy, Askren, 
and Jody Stripmatter. Those were your first six that were in the PL. Mm-hmm. They did it last year, nobody knew about it. They added myself and David this year, and we're trying to really push the social media side. I don't know if you've seen anything on it, but no, no, so that's uh, PL, Premier National League. Um, we're really, really, really trying to get this up and running. Okay. That's our goal. Yeah, okay, okay sorry. No, you're good. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll look at that. Maybe I'll post it in the show notes. Like, yeah, sure. Well, yeah. What did you, you know, did you think you this is where you would be? Like when you started coaching, like what? Where did you see yourself? You know, if they yeah, go back ten years, and be like, where do you see yourself in ten years? You know, I um, I just it's funny you ask that because I just missed a phone call from Ron Higdon, and uh, Ron Higdon is now the national or Nebraska high school director. He's in charge of all Nebraska. Ron's super awesome. Ron and I coached together at UNO. Ron was the head assistant coach. Mike Denny was head of coach. And I was an assistant of sorts, right? But my goal was not to always be an assistant. I would love to have been in a program where I could have moved on to be a program, head of a program somewhere else. But in reality, I didn't, I didn't want to go anywhere else because it was really nice being uh, with Mike and Ronnie and myself um, because it was we, we won, right? It's right. really, really hard to want to leave somewhere where you're winning. And um, I, I honestly, and I hope Ronnie listens to this, I would have had no problem going up against him to be head coach at some point if Mike Denny would have retired. Do I believe Ronnie would have got the job? For sure I do. But I would have loved to have challenged him at that point, and hopefully he would have taken me as assistant, um, and we would have grown, grown that way. But um, unfortunately, we lost the program, so it doesn't really matter at that point. Um, but... You know, I would have told you 10 years ago, I would have loved to have been the head coach of a college program or the head coach of a high school program. Uh, because to me, that's the natural development as a coach. Right. Um, but my experience is now, when we were at UNO, we won our third national title in Kearney. And we got done, left the program, had our team meeting. It was about 1045. Coach gave his notes, talked about all the great things and then how to be humble winners and how to be good boys and good young women. And then uh, I think it was like 11.30, 11.45. And that was pretty much we knew, don't get in trouble. Whatever you do, don't get in trouble. So all of a sudden, I could see where, where we're at. Everybody started looking at the phone. And then I got the same thing. I'm like... Who got in trouble? I was so mad because we were all got summoned back to the hotel. Yeah, and this was back obviously before <clears throat> social media, so like yeah. no idea. So I look at my phone and I'm I'm fucking angry. <laughs> like I'm like, who got us in trouble? Who did something? Oh, they're gonna get it. So I was I was I was I had I was ready to let somebody have it. The moment we got back to that, I told I was I was gonna get back to the hotel first. I was gonna stand out of the door. Was it you? Was it you? Was it you? Was it you? I was. It was it was on right. And everyone's like, I don't know what's going on. So we get back in. And, of course, uh, Mike is very somber. And Ronnie already knew because Ronnie made it back first. And everybody's like, what is going on? Well, of course, they let us know. Trevor Edwards called. Hey, great job, coach. Wonderful. We're proud of you. We're going to drop your program. You're no longer a program as of May 2011. Right? Because that would have come. Yeah, that would have been 2011. And it was just, there was no questions. There was no, there was no nothing, no warning, no anything. We got dropped. They told us we were, I mean, essentially the way I took it was we were no good. And and as winners, they didn't want to keep us. And no matter what we decided, it didn't matter. Right. And I will tell you, I was the only other coach 
that was on the payroll. Everybody else was through volunteer, but I was actually paid by the university. Which you were probably like the only one. Yeah, I was the only one. Yep, only one. And it was very minimal dollars. It right. was like $3,500 for you know nine months. And I didn't care. Right. I just got to be a part of that program. I was like, you can pay me $10. I don't give a shit. Um, so I would go to these meetings and I would ask questions. Ronnie and, and, uh, and Mike, God bless them, they wanted to kill Trev. I don't, and I don't blame them. But I was third on the hole, so I was like, all right, you got to go and listen. Because... And what it came down to was, which is the biggest chicken shit answer I've ever heard, football got dropped because mm-hmm. they were performing, and it's a million dollars to cost the football program to keep bringing along, especially if they're going to go Division One. Mm-hmm. So that truly could have been a financial scenario, right? right. Really, really big financial area. And I get, I, and I take this for the for all the football players out there. I'm not saying you guys did anything wrong or you guys suck. At the moment in time, it had been a long time since you guys have done done really well. So your chopping block was a little sharper than ours. So then, the, then they told us, well, it, for you guys, it wasn't financial, but it didn't make alignment. And I remember having this conversation in the meeting. I told, I told Trev and I told everyone in that room, I go, so you're not going to keep our program because we don't align with the current conference we're going to. There's no wrestling in the conference, which was the Sun Belt or whatever it is they moved into. They're like, yeah, so we would have to put you in a different conference, which would have been the WWC, the uh, Western Wrestling Conference, Mm -hmm. which was really good. And I go, and I asked everybody, I go, hey, how many guys know a lot about wrestling? Minimal people answer that question. Only Dr. Christensen can answer that question. He goes, yes, of course. And he was never for it. And I know that a lot of people have separated from Dr. Christensen, but he was handcuffed. He couldn't do anything at the time, right? And he... um, he got really screwed over, and he, and he lost a lot of friendships based on what had happened. But I know I, I got to visit with Dr. Christian quite a bit. He, he didn't do that. It wasn't him. It was a handcuff scenario. But I said, hey, so we have to go. In order to go to Division One, since we already had a Division One hockey team, we still had to sit four years. No matter what, we had to sit four years. I go, so you're telling me for four years we can't fundraise, we can't keep the team alive, we can't try to make Olympic teams or wrestling teams, whatever, all the things that aren't NCAA Division One. And I go, mark my words. The WWC will be absorbed by the Big 12 by the time this happens. And I said that out loud right there in that meeting. And no sooner were we after that fourth year, the Big 12 took the WWC. Mm-hmm. And I I remember it to this day. I remember calling my dad. I remember calling my, my brothers. I'm like, I fuck, I'm scared. I swear it again. I swear, I swear to God, I told, them, I told everybody this. I go, I knew it was going to happen. But what they said was they did not, they did not have, it was an alignment issue. So they weren't going to move us. And even if they did move us, so let's pretend they wanted to support us, it then became a financial issue. And you know why it became a financial issue? This is what nobody knows. And again, I sat on that meeting. They don't think they can provide the amount of worth to the team because they were already champions to move to Division I. They did not want to try to support us. It was going to tr- it was going to be too hard to continue that budget at a division one level. Not that we weren't good, not that we couldn't have done it. They did not want to try. So in order, so we our budget. So just for fact of matter, so anybody on the podcast can hear when any when any program asks for what the budget is, they can make that budget up however they want. So they put in my my salary, which was which was fundraised. Mm-hmm. They they fundraised it, and then the school paid me. Mike Denny was a coach, but also a teacher. His teaching salary went in there. Mm-hmm. Um, every every dollar that he had uh, raised for scholarship went in there. 
Everything that he had, had endowed went into that budget. So we fundraised most of our travel budget, right. not our teaching and coaching, but most of our most of our um, travel budget. Actually, all of it. But they took that money and put it in the budget too, and they go, "We cannot raise this money as a D one school, so we're not going to try for you." Therefore, it becomes an alignment. But if we go with you, then it becomes financial. This is how Trev hit it. He said alignment. He didn't say financial. But he said we could have aligned. We could have gone to the WWC, but we didn't want to pay for it. So we're not going to support you. That's how that worked out. That's how that whole program worked out. So vicious circle. Here I am. I told you most coaches want to go to high school, then they want to move on to college, right? But that moment in time, I learned that I'm never going to let anybody tell me how to coach wrestling ever again. This is why MWC is the way it is. I will never coach in high school. I will never coach from a college program. My only job I might ever, ever, ever take would be like um, Ivan Ivanov, the general Greco-Roman manager for USA Wrestling or Matt Lindley mm-hmm. or whomever they put in there. That, that might be the only job I would actually take. But never again will I let an administration tell me we're good enough, but we don't want to support you. And that's exactly what they did. And I will never, ever work for a high school or a college because of that, ever. Because no matter how much you win, they can still take it away from you. We don't have to win a dang thing here. My kid's gonna be oh and five million, and I still get to coach. And nobody's gonna tell me otherwise. And this is why I do it, <laughs> period. So in a roundabout way, thanks Trev Alberts, because now I'm a better coach because of you. <laughs> wow. That's a lot to take in. And I, yep. I knew some of that because, like I said before, you know, we started recording, I watched The Last Maverick. And I, yep. they didn't get into, I don't think, too much detail. But I know Higdon was unpaid. Yep. And his wife worked at the school yep. for a little bit. She was awesome. Yeah. Yep. She was super awesome. She helped with uh, uh, the lawyer side of things, making sure contracts were right, things of that nature. She, she did a fantastic job. Sandy was awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but they used that against Ron. They said there was nepotism. They said this and that and blah, blah, blah. Bullshit, mm-hmm. right? Sandy and Ronnie were good people. They never did anything to ever hinder UNO wrestling. Right. Ever. And nor would Sandy. Sandy would never do that. Mm-hmm. And Mike, he, yeah, he had to become a, he didn't have to become a professor to work there, but like, or to coach there, but right. it, it, it kind of helped or how for sure like, uh, monetarily it helped right you yeah. pay raise you can coach he coached a couple classes or coached a couple mm-hmm. classes taught a couple classes did was a very good teacher very good coach obviously I mean anybody that can do what he did in his capacity as a leader and a mentor he, I mean right now I'm super I'm always I'm always super worried about Coach Denny because he's down in Maryville yeah. and I'm hoping he can find somebody that can he can give the reins over to um, because in, in all reality the most important thing to a coach is legacy what are you going to leave behind? And I know that Mario Morgan's down there who uh, was one of the last three national champions for UNO. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Denson, Mario Morgan, and Ryan Pankoke, two of them reside here. Aaron and Ryan. Ryan's in Centennial, Nebraska. Aaron's here in Omaha, but Mario's down there coaching with him. Um, I would love to see maybe Mario understand the world of coaching a little bit better, get get really involved in it, and, and, and try to help coach transition. But I know Coach has been looking for him somebody that he can leave that legacy with. So mm-hmm. ideally, whomever that is, I hope he can find him. Yeah. Right? It's, it's tough. And, and Ronnie moved into a great job. He uh, moved into, um, so he's the head of 
the uh, Nebraska High School Sports Association, NHSA, yeah, that well, whatever, yeah. same thing in Iowa, yeah. Right? Yeah. whatever that is. He oversees uh, wrestling and one other sport, but he's really grown the, the state folk style tournament for high school. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. All the good things, right? He's he's been the one that's done that over the last decade. Wow. He's taken it from you know zero to hero. Mm-hmm. He's done a really really good job. But his knowledge of the sport was not not, not a but. It's because of his knowledge of the sport and what he's done has really made everything better for our state. So it, it actually, so going back to why Nebraska is better, we have a better leader in the high school side. We have more coaches on the club side. Um, so I know it sounds horrible, but UNO going away probably made high school, Nebraska high school better, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, it sounds horrible right. to say that, yep. but, that's, but that's truly what could have happened. All the kids that could be in college and coaching are now back here at home coaching kids clubs. You know, like even like um, in middle Nebraska, we have a family that's super awesome. Uh, last name is, uh, gosh darn it, I'm going to mess this up. Of course, I'm saying it right now. He's, he used to be the head coach at Colby Community College, and they're from Greeley, Nebraska, Nordhuis, sorry, Nordhuis family. He he left coaching in college now, and he's back in the middle of Nebraska because it's the, the, the sport is, is growing in Nebraska, right? We're, we're getting stronger. Our, um, it's, so for me to make a comparison, Iowa has always been good because they're – middle ground has always been very good. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's had really great wrestlers and we've had no middle ground and then everybody else below. Mm-hmm. Our middle ground has grown a ton. We don't have we don't have the population against Iowa, but I would say that in the last 10 years, I would love to say that Nebraska, if we took our best out of Nebraska versus the best out of Iowa, maybe we win four of those duels, mm-hmm. maybe five. And we could split it 50-50. Iowa's had some really freaking great teams, don't get me wrong. Because I know who they are and I know who their coaches are, <laughs> but everybody kind of stalls out on Nebraska. Like, man, you know, maybe they maybe they would be pretty tough, right? They could do it. I, four, let's say four, right? But that's that's because of all these coaches coming home, the good leadership in the high school, and the good leadership in the clubs, and then the growth of Freestyle Greco has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was really good in the '90s. Right, our '90s produced, you know, Brad Varing is a world silver medalist. I was, um, I was on a couple. I made a couple age group world teams, and then was a top three guy in the United States. Um, you know, Matt Lindlin was at University of Nebraska when Tim Newman was there. We had a really good Greco program at the University of Nebraska because Lindlin, myself, Varing, Ruiz, Monsier, the Henson brothers, uh, Brian Schneider, and I were teammates here, but he didn't wrestle right. Greco, but he was now an assistant coach there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Manning wrestled from. Uh, Mike Denny. So, I mean, it's 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 wow. all right there, right? I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's all there, right? It's it's silly, but it, it it the ground was laid there, and the wrestlers were so good. I was like to think that the wrestlers were so good mm-hmm. that they walked away from coaching for such a long time because they kept wrestling, mm-hmm. and then they came back. But now, now it's happening more and more and more. So, like I said, Nebraska is not like a. Uh, it's never going to be Pennsylvania or Oklahoma or Ohio. It might not even be Iowa, right? But we will definitely start keep keep producing one or two good hammers with with much better. It sounds horrible to say it this way. Much better fifth and sixth place guys, where we never had the fifth and sixth place guys. We always had, you know, the thirty fifth and fortieth guy. Mm-hmm. When we're having fifth and sixth, we get, we're now we're capable of making first and second, mm-hmm. right? And the boys are the girl and the girls now are all working much better together. They're they're, they're growing. They're they're getting better. They're they're stronger stronger together than they are apart. So it's mm-hmm. good. 
Yeah. The, yeah. When, how long did it take you to go from coaching at UNO to, you know, creating the NWC? Like, you know. Six months. Really? Did you, so yeah. like when they, you know, when you had no desire to go, obviously probably after to yep. Maryville, you were just like, no. So coaching is when you go to Maryville. Uh, my real job, my real life is in insurance. Um, and I, so I've been doing insurance since 2008. So this would have been my third year in insurance at that point. What were you doing before then? Um, well, I was wrestling. Still wrestling. Oh, wow. Yeah, still competing. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, so uh, my claim to fame is I didn't file taxes until I was like 28 years old. So take that. Yeah. <laughs> take that, government. Um, so that's my real claim to fame. So I was still competing, still wrestling. Um, things here and there. I mean, you know, do this for, you'll get paid to do a clinic and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So nothing crazy. Um, I wasn't working like hard. My dad had a car dealership, so I kind of helped out there and, is it really a job when your dad's the, the guy right. that owns the dealership, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Love you, dad, but, <laughs> you know, he's like, okay, just show up a couple days, we'll get you a paycheck. Okay, good, good, good. Um, so then, uh, so actually in 06, I started coaching at UNO. Uh, Mike Denny says it was because I was a, a good athlete and a good uh, uh, a good young coach. I think he hired me because he wanted to recruit my brother Eastside. Oh, yeah. So whatever, I'll take mm-hmm. it, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I was still competing, still wrestling, you know, things like that. Retired in like seven and a half range. Um, and then uh, got to work in insurance. My wife, who's from Glenwood, Iowa, um, her first cousin got me into insurance. And then that worked out really good. I liked it. I liked it. It fit me well. And then uh, 08, 9, 10, 11, we were at UNO. We're winning national titles, winning dual titles, you know. My brother Eastside, I get to coach my brother, you know, everything being equal because I got to coach Eastside in high school at Fargo. I got to do all that jazz, right? So, like, I really took a kid from, from like, a, since he was born, all the way to three-time All-American in college, right? So that's – most most coaches don't get to say that unless they got a brother. I took – I understood development. I understood mm-hmm. where two years old means what's it going to look like when you're 21 years old, right? And that's the – the forte here at my club. I understand when you're six, I have to get you to 24. I have to get you there. How am I going to get you there? So I cannot, you know, overdo it, overwork it, but I have to have a good plan in place. So I understand development at a very, very long level. Of course, I want you to win. Yes, it's nice to win everything. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But the real deal is, you know, I want you to be life champions, mm-hmm. right? However that works, I want you to be life champions. And that's a quote from uh, Zach Garrett. He, that's his, that's his uh, philosophy, life champion. So I borrowed that from him. <laughs> um, so when we lost in 11, my brother Isai still wanted to try to wrestle to the 12, 2012 Olympic trials. He got offered quite a few places to go. Iowa recruited him, Nebraska. You know, they're like, hey, come on. You guys got one. You got one. You're like, it's a free year. You can do whatever you want because they can't tell you no. Mm-hmm. Nobody can tell you no when your program gets cut. You get to go wherever you want. Okay. But really what had happened was for him, he couldn't because he was so deep in his uh, career of college. He graduated with construction engineer, and now he, he'll probably yell at me for saying this, but I think he builds bridges, and he's, he's operating the biggest cranes in the mm-hmm. world. He's a construction engineer. He's, his mathematics is through the roof. He's super smart, right? He's got just... Uh, what a jerk. He just does everything right. right? He'll probably retire when he's 40. He's like, ah, retired. Yeah, whatever. So he couldn't leave because it would have been three more years at any school he was going to go to. 
So he because be, of his degree? Because of his degree, right? Oh. So he's not going to go anywhere. So he stayed. We trained. We stayed in Omaha. Uh, we wrestled all the way to the last day. I was the last, one of the last people on the UNO wrestling mats. May 5th, 2011 was our last practice in that room. I think that was the right thing. We were the last people to sweat on that mat. We were the last people to leave the mats. We were the last people to be on those mats. Now they're offices, right? You, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. But um, then we... Then that summer, right, going through trials, some kiss kids, I was constantly looking for places for him to work out. And then it just occurred to me, like, why don't I just do a club? And then I thought, well, I don't want to do a club. I need to find a club that's established, see if they have a year-round program, and really sell them on that idea of long-term wrestling, right? Year-round, a couple months off here, you know, a week off here, blah, blah, blah. So I um, got a hold of my, and to this day, my good best friend in the whole wide world, who's from Iowa, Riverside, Oakland, Kyle Knoyer. So um, Kyle runs greenhouses all over the United States. He's super amazing. Um, one of the craziest businessmen I've ever met in my life. But I don't think he's ever had a bad idea ever in his life. His big brother, Brad, will, will fire me for saying that, but his big brother, Brad, is uh, the dad of Evan Knoyer, who goes to Cornell, Caleb Knoyer that went to um, Carney, and he's got a younger boy, Braden Kenora Waverly, who is um, going to go anywhere he wants. Yeah. super tough. Um, and then Kyle's in charge of his boy, Dallas, obviously, but Dallas will be, uh, he'll be somewhere in Iowa. He'll land somewhere in Iowa. He'll wrestle somewhere. They're both, Kyle, I, and Brad all wrestle in Nebraska together. So I called Kyle because he was here in town still. He, was, he built the greenhouses that are just south of us here, uh, Kenora greenhouses. I'm like, hey, Kyle, where do, uh, where do you and Dallas go to uh, wrestle? Like, what's your club? He goes, oh, well, we were at Monarch High School, and then we got this little bitty place over here. And I'm like, hey, would your, um, your club president be willing to have a meeting and talk about maybe an idea I got? He goes, sure. He goes, why? What are you thinking? I, I told Kyle. He's like, oh, my God, Zach, this is great. We got to do this. So we actually met right here. Uh, it would have been like August 3rd, 2011. And the tables were designed just like this. And... Uh, I said, hey guys, I got a question for you. You guys, sorry, you guys got a big club. Mm-hmm. Stop doing that. And they had a club of 50, right? 50 kid, little kids, right? Little mm-hmm. ones. I go, you guys don't deal with high school. Do you deal with preseason or postseason? Obviously, regular folk style seasons during high school season. Yeah. I go, what about prior to high school season? What about after high school season? You guys do that? No, no, no. I go, what if I. And then regionally, I started off with like, well, would you guys allow me if we could get a room? I will fill it with pre and post. I'll run those. You guys don't have to worry about anything. And then we'll set up a, like a, a I don't want to say, uh, they'll pay the club. And then I don't want to pay the coach. I just want to coach and blah, blah, blah. And we do this. And, you know, it was a little rocky. They didn't, nobody, nobody had done it before, right. especially here in Nebraska. Nobody ever done it. The idea was a little ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, oh, sure. And then our, I can tell you, our first preseason, I had, I think it was like 14 kids. And it was like eight, eighth grade and below kids and like six high school kids. But I was just so happy to coach. And then I had, I had a place for my brother to work out. Really, the intention was for my brother to be able to work out space. Mm-hmm. So um, we got a workout space and, and they didn't have this building. We actually got this building. We came to look at it and it was already built like this. No shit. It was already built like this. I couldn't believe it. Now there's things I want to do, right? There's, I got a couple ideas now, but... The, the way the, the walls are built, already built just like this. It was, it was, wow. there was nothing more we had to do other than go, are you sure we're good? Like, this is the thing. Like, yeah, okay, all right, here we go. So then we had like 14 or 15 kids. Um, 
And then we uh, hit folk style season, which they already had the kids to support folk style okay. season, which was super awesome. I didn't have to recruit that, but the the idea of the club started to make sense to a lot of people. So um, our seventh and eighth grade group grew, whereas usually it's seventh and eighth grade goes to their junior high wrestling team yeah. and things like that. And then, so we went from you know fourteen to like. 40 and then we hit freestyle Greco season and we had like 24 right and then it, it kind of stayed like that for a little bit and then it made big jumps like it just all of a sudden started I was like oh, there's there's too many people here I don't know what's, what's happening right um, so like for preseason this year we had um, 80 high schoolers and little kids we had 70 little Jeez. guys and then we got like 80 in the mat class so right around that 250 number, somewhere in that range, 225, somewhere right. Um, but that's where it's gone to. It's it's been bigger, it's, it's been lower, but it is now it's averaging the correct way, right? I always need more room, so I'm trying to figure out how to make it bigger. I'm always trying to look for a way to bigger. But this this area right where we're at is so good because I have access to, like this morning at 6:45, 6:30, we're out the track and field. It was really cold. I don't recommend doing it, but it was the last time we're going to be outside. We were doing our work outside. We had early morning workout, and then we came in here. Um, we have 52 circles in there, which is like basically two and a third mat. We have showers. We have bathrooms. Uh, we have dorms through there, so we have beds in there in case somebody wants to come stay. We have Wi-Fi. You know, we have everything they need. So I mean, if they really need to stay here, we can get them to stay here. Yeah. We're working out okay. Um, but it grown, and so um, your original question being that, how did I get here? That's how I got here, right? It just left one and moved right into the other. And for a couple of years, it grew and grew and grew. And then it just, now it's a sustainable thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's sustainable because kids love wrestling. I love coaching. I love coaching coaches. Um, and it works out really good, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, here we are. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It, it, it's funny when you were, you know, during that whole thing, you said, when you walked in and you kind of pitched the idea, they thought it was ludicrous because, yep. I mean, think about it, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15, whatever, there wasn't clubs in the in this area anyway. Yep. I think Young Guns may have been yep. in its infancy kind of. Yep. Like, yep. I mean, now it's commonplace. but Right, and I will tell you, so of the, the P&L we talked about, those seven, yeah. those seven clubs, not David. David just graduated, so he's about 4 or 5%, but those first seven were all in our 12 through 15 years mm -hmm. so it does take a long time to establish you know the groundwork the base build it strong right little brothers and then I mean we're to the point like I said 10 or 15 years now in a couple of years I'll have dads that I coached in my room with their sons mm -hmm. and we'll be coaching together right I mean that's super fun to me yeah to me that's that's what it's all about um, but like you know Brandon Paulson started Pinnacle probably 16 15 years ago um Cormier and Cormier and uh, David are pretty young clubs, but mm -hmm. they're both young as well. Um, Izzy's my age. He, his club's been going for a while. Askren is a little younger than me, but he's been at his club for a long time. Shit, Ben's doing really good. He's got like four locations. I mean, it's just super. He's killing it in Wisconsin, right? He's amazing. I didn't know he like oh, yeah. had been that long for yeah. the, the is it Askren Wrestling Club? Yeah, Askren, Askren AWA. They they got. Mm -hmm. I think they've been going for eight or nine, maybe low end nine, wow. high end eleven. Um, and then you got like uh, who am I missing here? Young Jody Schrittner, young guns, yeah. been around for a while, right? I mean, he's twelve years and he's got great wrestlers in his program. Spencer Lee came from there. That's coming from there. Um, Eric Larkin, who's my age, 
Uh, he actually started a whole college. He's got a whole, not college, high school scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valiant, gosh, I forgot earlier, Valiant. Valiant, you can go to school there and it's like second through senior year, right? And he's got a, he's got 127 wrestlers that all go to school and wrestle, which is so amazing, right? His kids are rock stars. Mm-hmm. They all wrestle really good. Um, and they do a fantastic job. Is it like an academy? No, it's a school. Hmm. Like a Valiant. Um, I guess I was thinking like Blair Academy, basically. Yeah. Okay. So, but it's not not like so Blair Academy is a prep school. Okay. Okay. They uh, Valiant is not a prep school, but it's a school, right? So mm-hmm. I got to remember what they're how they're it's um, so what are those schools that are going up right now that are. Um, they're particular on what they teach. Like very, very, uh, uh, what's the word? And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna butcher this here and I feel horrible for Larkin, he's gonna call me out, I'm sure. Valiant College Prep, so it is, there it is, Valiant College Prep. So it's, um, there it is, it's a private high school, but it's also a SLAM, those SLAM schools mm-hmm. that are very specific on what they teach. He's similar to both. But his kids go to college, they go to very good colleges, they mm-hmm. do very well, they score well in their ACTs. He's doing a fantastic job, right? He wrestled at Arizona State, started this whole Valiant Prep. I mean, it's it's amazing. He's got really good wrestlers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we wrestled one of them last year at Junior Worlds, or excuse me, UWW Junior Nationals. Garrett Grice was in a tight match. Yeah. It was like one-to-one, and or two-to-one at the end of the score. but. Holy buckets, their guys are good. But I think that guy also beat Garrett in the semifinals at juniors the year before. So it's not like Garrett was like, I got him. Yeah. He lost and then he won. So, I mean, it, yeah, they're they're really, really good. Yeah, Valiant, college preparatory, private high school in Arizona. That's what it is. Yeah. But they're super, I mean, and he he's my, uh, Eric is my age. He graduated from ASU, I think, in high school-wise. He graduated in 98. 99, I was a 97 grad, because uh, I just remember we're all the same age at Fargo mm-hmm. and all that jazz. Um, and then college wrestling, and then he started a club, Thoroughbred, which they still have Thoroughbred, which is like a feeder to Valiant. And then um, he's like, you know what, I'm just gonna do this Valiant. And he liked it. And mm-hmm. So Sehudo, Angel Sehudo coaches with him. Mike Douglas coaches with him, all good coaches. Mm-hmm. All amazing, amazing guys. Wow. Yeah, they all do a really, really good job. How do you, like, you know, there's a lot of, <clears throat> there's a lot of kids here in Omaha yep. and, and a little bit in Lincoln, you know, yep. obviously, but the state of Nebraska, like, how do you try to tend to those kids who are out west, so North um, Platte, you know, yeah, Grand Island? It's tough, number one. I think um, we have to do a better job of of educating coaches. So anytime I'm with any coach, I'm always asking, hey, what are you doing? What, what's going on? How's the house practice is going? Things like that. Um, like I said, I wish I was on Nebraska USA. We parted ways. Um, but they see it a different way. Um, eventually, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get back together. But they um, they need to do a better job of, of coaches' education, right? They need to put a person in place that will venture out to see those clubs and just go, hey, this is what they're doing in Omaha, or it doesn't even have to be Omaha. You know, they could say, this is what we're doing in Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares? But really try to give them, you know, practice, not necessarily practice plans, but new ideas, new technology, communication is always good. Like, I would, I, I, I actually have a good friend out in uh, Nebraska, North Platte, and Pittner. We're trying to figure out how we can do Zoom practices, right? Yeah. So maybe if I'm on a practice on a, um, 
Tuesday night, I turn on a Zoom, he gets his room going, I get my room going, and somehow, some way, I run both rooms without um, having to be there, right, essentially. Um, but that technology, you know, if COVID gave us anything, that's what it gave us. Um, but, you know, getting everybody to do it the right way, or not necessarily the right way, but not being able to be their hands-on is really right. hard, right? Wrestling is a, I need to touch you so I can show you how to do this right, yeah. right? Um, and I could always do a better job probably getting out there, out west. But it is pretty sparse out there. But the the, the club out in North Platte does a really good job of, of bringing athletes in. They have quite a few kids out there. I think they got like 150 kids in their club. Wow. Um, so Bittner's done a really good job. And all the coaches there have done a really good job. And then there's a couple people out there um, further out in Garing by the name of uh, – one of them's name is Yibera. Mario Yibera is super awesome. He was our kids director for a while, but uh, he got out. But I grew up with his with his, I think it's either his uncle or yeah, I can't I think it's uncle. Armando, when I was wrestling, Armando was the state chair. And I wish I wish we could get more people involved out Western Nebraska in the board. Because I think Western Nebraska, we've got some really good wrestlers from Western Nebraska. I mean really good wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And we're not seeing them, we're not utilizing them, or just like Omaha, we're losing them to Colorado. You know what? We're just going to move over to Colorado because it'll be it, we get more. Everybody pays more attention to us, uh-huh. right? And in Omaha, you could do the same thing. I mean, I did it. I went to Iowa, um, but I would love to keep Nebraska's border strong. Go. You know what? We have a good coaching. I don't. I don't need to go there. We got a. We got a guy. Whoever the guy is, right? Yeah. Super good. But I do think it's uh, educational. It has to be a greater depth of coaches' education, a greater depth of shared knowledge. And uh, for sure, cohesiveness in coaches, right? I think that uh, we have some very good coaches in our state, and we need to utilize those coaches a lot more, mm-hmm. right? Um, because they're all back, right? They're all they're all here coaching. So, where I very rarely see um, Donnie Norton, not Donnie, but uh, David Norton and I should see him everywhere. He's got a good club. He's in the middle of Nebraska. Um, there's some really talented little um, small towns, Central City, Greeley, uh, a, 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 not Ames, uh, just north of Kearney. Kearney's a big city, but mm-hmm. the surrounding areas are what really good. Uh, I can't remember the town, but it's really it's classy. It's super good. North Platte's good. Garing uh, is good. Scotts Bluff has some some ideas or some good wrestling there. And then you can go all the way up to the Panhandle. There's some really small towns up there that are pretty good close to South Dakota. But again, if we don't strengthen our borders, we're going to keep losing north, west, or east. Uh, not too many people go south. Our, like southern Nebraska, so like your Sutherland or uh, Blue Hill or McCook, that area. Um, so south of I-80, essentially. Mm-hmm. They're, that, they don't venture too far into Kansas. Um, they're pretty solid little towns. They do a good job with each other. Um, but I would love to get those small towns from the south, those tw- those small towns from the north, find a mini place on a mm-hmm. and go, hey, let's scrap it out for the weekend. Let's get together. Let's scrap it out. We'll see you guys next month, but we'll, we'll always be back together. So the more that happens, the the, the greater the wrestling will be. It mm-hmm. doesn't always have to be competition. I think a lot of people think competition is the only way to grow. You can do it through practice, Com- competitive practice, right? Um, and get in there and get those coaches together especially especially I don't know what you know you don't know what I know but I would love to know what you know <laughs> yeah let's go let's see what, what it's like mm-hmm. 
But that's just me. Yeah. I have a big, broad vision. I like I like wrestling a lot. I'm a big weirdo. <laughs> Do you still wrestle? Yeah. Right. In there. So preseason, um, a lot of folks are, excuse me, they're still football players, right? Mm-hmm. Nebraska's football. Yeah. This is what we do. Yeah. Um, so our bigger guys aren't very much. Uh, freestyle Greco, we start getting a lot of bigger guys in. So I will, uh, I'll get in there and roll around with them. I'm mostly, a, I consider myself a parterre expert. I just <laughs> pretty much lay on the ground, try to turn me over, you can't do it. And then I do it to you and you're like, oh God, how did you do that? I go, well, I'm sneaky. That's what I do. <laughs> um, but we have, we have senior level wrestlers. Uh, Tyler Cunningham is 82 kilos. Uh, he's ranked 30th in the world. Uh, he was a U23 world team member, uh, senior bronze at the Pan Am Championships. Uh, Corbin Nershall, who was bronze at the U.S. Open. Uh, Camden Russell, who was fifth at U.S. Open, fifth at world team trials. Uh, Van, who's wrestling at Wesleyan, but he is uh, back from injury. Uh, and then I always have guys, I have personal guys that I coach. Uh, Sammy Jones, who's the number one sixty-three kilo in the country, and Alan Barrow, who's number one eighty-seven kilos in the country. And then I personally, I coach for MWC, but I also coach for the New York Athletic Club. So we have giant clubs that absorb other coaches. So there's Sunkiss Kids Wrestling, WCAP, Minnesota Storm, New York mm-hmm. Athletic Club. I'm with New York Athletic Club. Okay. So we'll actually be heading there next week with uh, Corbin and Tyler. Uh, we get to stay at the New York AC. That's where the Heisman Trophy goes out. I've been I've been there a couple times, but it's super fun. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll be there next week. Wow. Yeah. That's good. We've talked a lot about other people, um, but not you a whole lot. That's all right. You know, like, well, <laughs> like where did your where did your wrestling start? And um, you know, you went to Nebraska, wrestled with Creighton Prep. I mean, where? Yeah. Oh, Kind of the origins of Zach Dominguez. So when I started wrestling, it was, uh, I was about four and a half, five years old. We were in North Platte, Nebraska. So that's why I have a special place in my heart for North Platte. And my uh, and it's a funny story, my first uh, workout partner, I now coach his kids. Uh, coach Goble out of Syracuse, brings his boys up here, Brock, uh, Jeremy Goble. And uh, Jeremy used to beat the crap out of me. But Jeremy was also, I got inducted into the Nebraska High School Hall of Fame. Uh, just last summer and Jeremy was there uh, because his coach got put in the Hall of Fame so my speech was hey the guy that used to beat me up when I was little is now at this camp I, who, who's the jerk now <laughs> right? um, but so uh, Goble and myself and the Jones brothers uh, we were all wrestling partners but it was weird and I will tell you what was weird back then because uh, I'm much older than you things have changed there was no folk style out west it was freestyle Greco because we played folk style. We played football in the um, in the fall and winter. So I was still too little to play folk style or folk style too little to play football. But I was old enough to play to wrestle. So I started that spring of '84, '85, somewhere in that realm, '84, and just you know got beat up quite a bit. It was awesome. My dad was like, "Yeah, you'll be okay. Rub some dirt on it." Um, and I also, my mom and dad told me I needed, I needed an outlet. You know, I was ADHD before ADHD was right. ADHD, right? There was no pills. There was no, you know, anything. Just high exertion sport and see what you can do with it. Um, and then my dad got a new job here in Omaha. We moved here to Omaha. And uh, so I was like 85 and a half, 86. We went to BJSA uh, where I met a guy by the name of Dave Acerett as a coach. Uh, Donnie Jones was my coach in North Platte. So I wrestled because... Excuse me. I coach because I can remember every coach since I had a really good go around with coaches. 
Donnie Jones was my coach. Danny and Donnie were my coaches in Nebraska or at North Platte. Dave Acerette was my coach at BJSA uh, for two years. And then Dave, uh, Dave was Air Force. Then Dave started his own wrestling club called Quest for Gold, where I still have a buddy named Billy Jack Thetford lives in North or Texas that we, I still talk to at the time. He was Air Force, but they moved down there. Um, we're Instagram friends, we talk all the time. Um, Dave was also Air Force, so he moved away. Then I moved to uh, the Explorers Wrestling Club, where Joe Edmondson was my coach from fourth grade to eighth grade. Uh, he was he was underutilized. He was a he was a really I don't know if you remember. You probably can't remember, but he was in a wheelchair his whole life. Coach from a wheelchair, but had nothing but champions from his club. Most amazing team. So he was my coach fourth through eighth grade, and then he got. Uh, the wheelchair and the lifestyle of like a wheelchair was really hard on him. Yeah. And he eventually passed away in 2002. Um, and he, he got he got to do, he could do less and less because he was in a wheelchair. Uh, I still have friends from that club to this day. Uh, one of them was Zach Stalder, who is now, I think he's a U.S. Marshal or DEA. I don't know. Oh, don't oh. Mm-hmm. Trouble, mind you. <laughs> right. Um, I have a lot of friends from that group that I still I'm still in contact with. Then I moved to Keith Massey in, in like eighth and a half, ninth grade. Was there for oh god, who knows? Forever, right? It seems like forever. Uh, me and Massey still see each other at tournaments. We play a game of tag. That's why I said tag is in. Yeah. Um, so whenever we're at tournaments at the same time, it's, it's whoever gets tag last loses, right? Mm-hmm. I won the last one. We were preseason in Des Moines. Um, so that's the game we still play. We've been playing this game since I was an eighth grader. I mean, I'm serious. Um, but I, uh, at that time, I came in. I felt I was really. I, I mean, I, I thought I was really good. I met David Kilgard, who you know that name. He was he was my workout partner, or basically I was his workout partner. Mm. Uh, I got my every part of me beat up by him for four years in a row. He finally graduated, got out of the room. I was like, I'm king of the room. <laughs> yes. He went on to Oklahoma. I was a senior that next year, and I'm like. Booyah! Yeah, I get to win. But that room was always filled with, you know, crazy good wrestlers. And for Massey, David was his first great wrestler. He's had many more mm-hmm. beyond that. And um, hopefully he would say that I was one of them. But Trent Drouse Paulson, myself, Esai, Eli, my brother came through there. Um, countless champions. You know, Patrick Alavone from Sioux City. Um, Robert Kellogg from Sioux City. All those guys came down. Marshall Cothey, Luke Saturn. I mean, I could go on. Delton Jensen. On and on and on. Welcome to that room. So I graduated in 97, but I came back every summer in the start of 98 to coach with Massey. So I coached with him every summer for three or four months. Always coached with him. So from 98 to 2010, or excuse me, to 2006, I was in that room coaching with Massey. So that would have run me through like the blue wall was 98 as a senior, all the way through uh, Dalton and Eastside and uh, their senior year, then they went to college. Then um, I was still wrestling. I wrestled, uh, so and Massey was my coach. We were, so 2000 through 2004, I was a senior level All-American at U.S. Opens. I was third in the Olympic trials in 2004. Um, then I moved out to the Olympic Training Center. Uh, lived there from four to seven. Uh, and oh, wait, I forgot. I, I forgot that I moved to Northern Michigan. So when I was at, and I went to school at Nebraska for two years. I was fourth in Big 12s as a redshirt freshman, uh, which there was only five guys. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, didn't make a cut for the wild card. 
But in my bracket, the guys that were finished first, second, third in Big 12s finished second, third, and fifth at NCAAs. So I didn't feel so bad. <laughs> my, my, my butt kicked. Um, but after that, I was like, man, I, I'm just not a folk style guy. I tried. I really tried. And, and I'm like, not so great. I'm not so good at this. Um, and I, tell you, I tried so hard that my junior year, I only wrestled freestyle at Fargo. Went like five and two, couldn't medal. And then I'm like, I'm going back to Greco. And then the next year I won Greco. I, I skipped the whole year like a big dummy. Not I'm like, I cannot believe I did this. Right? I was like, oh, God. Um, so I wrestled Greco that year. And this is all in Iowa. This is then my senior year I wrestled Greco in Iowa. I was wrestling for Nebraska, 9th through 11th grade. That's when I met Pickford. That was earlier. Mm-hmm. And blah, blah, blah. And then I wrestled two years in Nebraska. And they started what is now still going, uh, the Northern Michigan Wrestling Program up there for uh, Greco, so it was a USOEC, United States Olympic Education Center. So I went up there to school. Uh, actually, it was really funny because Tim Newman, the coach at the time in Nebraska, graduated from Northern Michigan. So it was a weird coincidence, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But So I went up there, wrestled Greco, uh, did really well, wrestled universities, was champ, was runner-up, was third. Had a good Greco career up there and then and still and continued to have it in the senior level. Um, I was a cadet world team member, junior world team member, all that jazz, right? I just enjoyed Greco. Um, and then about 2006 and seven, my body started getting beat up. I was, I never had to have surgeries, but I was just tired of the weight. The weight cut was really big for me because it was either 74 kilos or 86 kilos. Mm-hmm. We don't have the weight classes we have now. No. So I'm either going up 12 kilos, which is 26 pounds, or I'm cutting 35 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. It's just not happening. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm good. I don't have to compete anymore. But I still wanted to be around wrestling. So um, I still always went back to coaches Massey. Then I started coaching at UNO. And then um, all the UNO nonsense that happened and what led us to MWC. And then MWC, I just kept coaching kids um, here and here out. We have kids that, you know, like I said, local, nationally, um, D1, D2, D3, close to, I don't know, 100 kids in college at some point. And, $20 million in scholarships here and there, depending on the, you know, which decimal point you want to use. <laughs> and then, um, and, and, and yeah, that's me. I mean, I just, I really like coaching. I've, I've won awards. I've gotten pretty good at my job when it comes to coaching. I was 2013 developmental coach of the year when I was very young. So that's was, that was probably one of the younger ones to get it. I actually got to hand that award off this year to Dylan Carew. Uh, 2002. So 10 years later, I'm getting to hand out that award. Um, I just recently came back from Budapest, Hungary. I mm-hmm. was uh, brought over by UWW, United World Wrestling, as an expert coach to teach uh, a high-performance coaching level. Uh, in the classroom, my job was communications and technology in the wrestling room. And then in the wrestling room, as a, as a, as a coach, talked about edge theory and uh, parterre basics. So how do I take an Olympic champion? How does an Olympic champion who's really good at wrestling, obviously. How are you gonna teach your gut wrench? So I helped him break it down so we could give it to a, you know, a 12 or a 14 year old mm-hmm. and not just, well, I just do this. <laughs> well, of yeah. course you do, you're the Olympic champ. That's awesome, but I don't know what you do, right? Mm-hmm. So that was my job. I was over there with Zach Garrett, Vincent, uh, several other really, really intelligent people. You know, everybody always says, if you're, uh, if you're looking around for the dumbest guy in the room and you can't find it, probably you that's where I was at <laughs> this, this scenario so uh, that then that happened and, but and then this year was a really good year for me as coaching I was uh, team leader for the U20 Junior World Championships personal coach in Serbia for two guys 82 or 87 kilos 
Alan Vera, and 63 kilos, Sammy Jones. And then I served as personal coach for athletes out of our room at U23s, which was uh, Camden Russell, who finished eighth, and Tyler Cunningham, who was um, he lost to the Moldavian first round. And then it's single elimination, so he didn't, he didn't get pulled back in because of the Moldavian loss. So mm. that's a different conversation when uh, when I was mad, but not really mad. <laughs> so that, wow, that's you. Yeah. That's you in a nutshell. Yeah, I, I mean, I coach a lot. I like coaching. I've coached. I've never missed Fargo since 1993. I've been there every wow. year since 1993. I know it sounds crazy, but I've yeah. one of the longest streaks. I've got three senior world teams under my belt. Three cadet world teams under my belt, a U23 world under my belt, a U, two U junior 20 teams under my belt from 2015 on. I've been Pan Am Championships, cadet Pan Am Championships. Actually, probably my coolest thing I've ever done as a coach. Uh, can only be tied. It can never be beaten. Uh, I was in charge of the cadet Pan Am team two years ago that went to uh, uh, Wapatec, Mexico. We went undefeated. We had 20 champions. Didn't lose one match. Didn't lose one match. What was that? Cadets? Uh, Cadet Pan Am Championships. So in the United States, Northern America, Central America, South America, we didn't lose one match. We won every award you can win. So we had four OWs, so Golden Shoes. Um, We had 20 national, 20 Pan Am champions in Greco and Freestyle. We didn't didn't lose one match. Was Ben Keeter on that team? Uh, Ben was on the junior team that year. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, we've I've done I've been a part of a lot of great things. Um, yeah, I mean, in general, we've we've uh, wrestling's been good to me as a coach. I would love to say that I was love to tell you that I was you know Olympian or all that jazz, but you know, I think I think for me it was I maybe maybe I knew it when I was younger, but this is this is where I'm going to be. Uh, I'm gonna if I'm gonna be an Olympian, it's gonna be as a coach, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. Right, I really really love doing it. And, as you can see, I'm here. We're at the club. This yeah. we're doing this right. I mean, this is not home, but my house is just down the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know this may sound like a cheesy question, a corny question, but sure. how did you be? How did you? How did you get so good in coaching or wrestling? Yeah, oh, coaching. So I mean, you know, like it's, I, yeah, pretty simple. Uh, I, real simple. Is it simple? I, I will. I will tell it, you, it's more simple than most people believe. So earlier, you were asking me about a little bit about me. And what I said was, is I could name every coach I ever had. Mm-hmm. It's because I had really, really good coaches. No coach that I had ever left me behind, nor didn't give me the time of day. So when you get coached by really good coaches, you don't really care about winning. You just really fall in love with the sport. So I fell in love with the sport, and all I do is coach now, right? I mean, it's crazy, but it's that simple. I would love for 30 years down the path, I mean, 30 years, so I'd be 75 then, and I run into a couple guys that maybe I coached when they were seven, and they would remember me. That would be ideal. That would make me think I did a good job. Not That not happening would make me feel like, man, I didn't do my job right. But I can tell you when I'm first-year wrestler all the way to now, and I, there was a couple coaches in there that obviously I can still tell you, when I moved to the Olympic Training Center, Gordy Morgan and Momir Petkovic, Steve Fazier and Anatoly, and a slew of guys, but I had already hit my developmental level. They were just, they were keeping me inside the path, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't coaches when I was little. Now, they were fantastic coaches, right? There's nothing, I'm not pulling Rich Estrella. They were all super, I mean, when you get to that level where you're living at the Olympic Training Center, I lived there from four to seven 
at Colorado Springs, they're all great coaches. There's no bums there. I spend a lot of time. I actually still have my resident card there. I, I don't have to. I just go. If I wanted to go to practice, I could go to Living Training Center and go to practice right now. Mm-hmm. I don't need to sign in. I don't need to show my card and I go right in. Um, I'm, I'm still, I still have my residency there because of the time I put in as a coach. So knowing, knowing that when I was little or young, sport, I don't know, it depends on what you de- define little or young, um, knowing that those coaches were more about me when I was younger and then always about me when I was older, when it came to wrestling, it just, it just made me want to do it more. Like, I can't, I can't think over the last 30 years, it's all five, I'm 44, so I'll be 44 this year, so 39 years, I can't tell you if I've ever been out of a wrestling room more than a month in the last 39 years. I honestly can't, I can't tell you that I've never not been on the mat for at least one day in every month for 39 years. I, 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 don't, I don't honestly think, I don't think there's ever been a time where I've missed more than a month. Or missed a month, I should say. Ever. I might have maybe when I fully retired from the sport, maybe I took two months off. I, and I'm trying to remember, maybe it was a month. But that would have been it. Mm-hmm. Because I got to the point where I'm like, oh, God, I got to do something. Right? You're, you're a retired athlete. You're at the top of your game. You don't just do nothing. You want to do nothing. You're like, no, I'm just going to do that. It's going to be great. Six or seven days into it, you're like, what am I going to do with myself? Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then when you figure out you're going to be a coach, all you have to do is show up to practice. And, and you, you can wrestle or you can not wrestle. But you're still in the room and you're, you're passing knowledge on. Yeah, I, honestly, 39 years, I can't say that I've ever been out of room for more than a month. And maybe when I was like six, seven, eight, and there was multiple seasons of wrestling, right. I'm sure, right? So let's let's just say 30 years. Let's call it 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. Okay, sorry. So we'll, we'll strike that 39, we'll 30. <laughs> so for the last 30 years, I can't, honestly cannot think whether I've been out of a room for more than a month. Ever. Yeah, I'm positive I haven't been. So, you know, seven, uh, six to, so nine, so it's, yeah, no, I haven't been. I will say 35, because I will guarantee you since the age of 10, I have not missed wrestling. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to miss, I'm pretty sure my dad was like, you're gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, my dad was always very encouraging. Um, and when I didn't want to go, he always knew that was a time to take me. And if I was really ready to go, maybe it was a time where I don't go, right? Really? And I go to the pool day. Really? Okay, let's go to the pool, right? So, you know, he was... He was super intelligent when it came to that stuff too. Um, but yeah, 30 years, 35 years, I don't think I've missed, I don't think I've missed a practice, or not, I shouldn't say missed a practice. Not been on the mat for less, you know, at least once a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I say it's easy, any really, any coach that loves what he does will, will have the same answer, in my opinion. There are lots of coaches that get paid a lot of money, but I can guarantee you, Kale Sanderson gets paid a lot of money, and he's winning. And I guarantee you, that doesn't happen unless he loves what he's doing. Mm-hmm. That man has done it. He has got, like, I mean, just think about what he has in his room right now. He's so good, Kyle Dakes says I'm coming over. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I'm so jealous of Kale, right, in a good way. He is so awesome. But, but I mean, I, Kale and I are the exact same age. We wrestled at tournaments together. I was in his bracket, he was he was in my bracket, I beat him, he beat me. We, we grew up wrestling, I've known Kale for a very long time. 
and I can talk to him, I can call him right now. Super amazing guy. And, and I will tell you right now, it's because he loves what he does that exudes to his athletes. Thomas Gilman, when he was at Iowa State, or Iowa, sorry, right in Iowa State, there was, okay, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I don't know why two people still have their job. I'm gonna be real honest with you. And I know those guys for a very long time. But imagine Thomas is the last high level senior wrestler that has been come out of that out of that or out of college. Mm-hmm. How did they not keep him? It's because of the way they view wrestling. Kale's like, yeah, come on over, man. Let's let's be great together. Shit, you could be great. I'll eat the popcorn and watch out. That's exactly what I'm doing. Oh, you guys want to have practice? Good, I'll turn the lights on, turn the heat on if you want. Sure. What do you want me to do? You want me to turn the clock on? Gotcha. Yeah, what else do you want me to do? You want me to, I can tie some shoes. I can do tape. Man, there's so many things I'm so good at now that I never had an idea I'm good at. I know how to do tape. Wrists, fingers, knees, shoulders, necks. I can diagnose herpes. <laughs> you name it. I can do I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a jack of all trades. Great at nothing, of course, but I, I'm, hopefully I'm great at coaching. But there's so many things that I know how to do now that it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Kale's the same way. Yeah. There's, there, if, if it's in, if it involves wrestling, I'm 100% positive he could go, oh, yeah, this is what we're going to do, right? I don't know anything about track, but I know the Hungarians run track workouts. So I called them up and I asked them, how do you guys do it? So we started doing it. And I'll tell you, my boys are better because of it now. But I can coach track now. <laughs> I know how to look for time splits and everything like that. Never coached track in my life. Nor can I run like the broadside of a barn. I'm not running. <laughs> <laughs> but now we can do it, right? But if you're not willing to get better or learn as a coach, you're gonna. It's gonna get stagnant. You're gonna get tired. You're gonna get burnt out. You're gonna do the same things over and over and expect the same results. Um, Iowa does that a lot. <laughs> that, that's, I know, and I know Morningstar personally. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he just sent me a shirt, so he's really gonna hate me if he listens to this <laughs> because I think he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always try to talk him into wrestling Greco. He's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. he goes, nobody from Lisbon wrestles Greco. I go, well, you'd be a lot better if you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, anybody that loves what they do, and I don't care what the sport is—basketball, freestyle, mm-hmm. or, or excuse me, wrestling, gymnastics, whatever. Football. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest coaches because he loves what he does, and he's and he's so good at what he does. Now he's missing a key player, and he's got to maybe retool some things. But when those two were together, watch out, right? Forget about it. It's gonna be hard to be, mm-hmm. really hard to be. Yeah, um, but so yeah, that's that's where I'm at in my coaching. I think I got I think I got 20 good years left in me. Really? Yeah, I can go to 65. I can't retire before that. <laughs> I mean, by the time we get old enough, it's you know, 70 will be the new retirement age. You know, whoever's president might move it to 75, so maybe 30 more years. Who knows? Um, but if as long as they'll keep having me, I'll keep coaching. And like I said, eventually I think I'll end up with the six through the eight-year-olds, and that's where I'll be. Mm-hmm. I won't have to travel anymore, but whatever it is, I will set up those six and eight-year-olds, so whomever that coach is, have a good platform, have good basics, and those kids will flourish. Mm-hmm. It'll be good for them. Yeah. yeah. At least 20 years. Yeah. I got 20 years. I got 20 more years. Mm-hmm. Don't tell my wife. I won't. She'll, she'll <laughs> But she's, so you want to know how come I can coach like this? She's the reason. She runs the house at home. I have, right now she just texted me. She says, hey, I got the girls. Life is good. When you're home, when you're done, what, what dinner's on the table? 
She doesn't. She doesn't tell me what to do. She knows if I'm going to be gone, it's 99% of the time, I'll be gone coaching, doing what I love, and she supports it. My girls support it too. I always make it, they do gymnastics and dance, so I'll make it to their, I get their schedule a year ahead, I plug it in with the wrestling schedule. So sometimes I'm maneuvering tournaments based around them, but mm-hmm. we're always where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, I got four daughters, none of them want to wrestle. They were like, it's too hot, Dad, I'm not. Can't. <laughs> it's too hot? No, I'll make that room warm in there. Believe it yeah. or not, I will. But it's not like crazy hot, but it's hotter than they're like, this can't be normal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And although my 14-year-old, I think she could beat up a lot of boys. <laughs> she's viciously mean. But, you know, she's, she's into dance, so, uh, you know, uh, that's a much, quote, prettier thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. If she wanted to wrestle, I'd coach her. Well, I wouldn't coach her. I would let my brother coach her because I coach my brother's boy. Uh, my brother Eli has a son. Uh, his real name is Caden. He goes by Cruiser. And actually, a lot of people don't even know his name's Caden. Um, but Cruiser is, is really tough. He's won nationals. He's been an All-American lots of times. He's, a, he's really going to do well in high school. Matter of fact, it's one of those, he's one of those kids that I might not, I might try to talk him and his dad not into wrestling his first two years of high school, but trying to make a cadet world team and junior team. And then whether you win a state title when you're a freshman or sophomore or, or your junior senior year, does it really matter? It's in Nebraska. That's another controversial statement. Um, if you're a state champion in Nebraska, you are amazing. And I will never ever say that. At the least, I will never say that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the value of our state title is not the same value as Iowa state title or in Oklahoma or Pennsylvania, right? Um, we Yes, you are state champion, you're amazing. Mm-hmm. But that value is not the same. I want it to be the same. I would love for it to be the same, but it's not. We have four classes. We have a small, um, what's the word? We, have, we don't have much population. Mm-hmm. Iowa has double our population and three classes. Mm-hmm. Although you guys just did move to 24 man brackets and you place eight, so yeah, I can maybe make the argument. <laughs> but you have the population to support it. So right. I really can't make that argument, right? Um, so they, uh, but like I said, you win a state title, you're amazing. Mm-hmm. But I just don't want to trick anybody and say, well, you win a state title, you're a D1 athlete. That's not how it works. Right. Could you be a college dresser? 100% you could be. Where you land? Maybe you go D1. Maybe you go NAI. Maybe you hit JUCO and then be D1. Or or JUCO go to D2 or D3. You do have an opportunity to wrestle, right? And that's and that's really what it comes down to. You don't want to, I don't ever want to take an opportunity away, especially if there's, you know, even a state medalist. I don't care if you're sixth. It doesn't really matter. You have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Go get it, right? Enjoy that. Yeah. Tag your <laughs> <laughs> There's truth to that. And sometimes it's a hard truth. Yep. But there is truth. I mean, Matthew Lewis was a four-time state champ from Centerville. He was wrestling at Indian Hills, I think. Yep, Indian Hills, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, but you're not wrong. So you're right. Just because you win a state title doesn't mean... Right. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it's the right thing. Right. right. No, I agree. But it's tough, and a lot of people don't want to hear it. They, they hear it like, well, I want to state title. I have to be great at something. Well, yes, you are great. You're great at winning a state title. It doesn't mean you're great at college wrestling yet. It, it's like, it's kind of like the natural progression, I guess. Yes. You win an AAU title, mm-hmm. state title, national right. title. Mm-hmm. That's just the progression. That's the that, progression everybody runs with. Yes. In their brain, that's the, that's the path. Right? Yes. Yep. I agree. I do think, though, hopefully, maybe. No, I'll say it. I think that... 
I am starting to see a lot more international wrestling. Oh, yeah. Especially in the high school level. For sure. It's growing. It's doing well. Yes. It's agreed. They just had, what, the Pan Ams just last U15s, week? Yep. Yeah. The U15s. Yeah, we hosted that tournament here. The trials here in Omaha. Oh, no I kidding. Ran, yep, our, our club ran it. We ran it. Uh, I was kidding. It was super fun. Mm-hmm. I like that age group. Yeah. A, because I can capture a 13-year-old and go, hey, Freestyle Rock was really fun. Mm-hmm. You should keep doing it. Oh, I can't. I don't have to wrestle 87 tournaments in folk style over the summer? No. Just come wrestle Freestyle Greco. Come with me. And then I get to nab them, keep them in the um, the, top, the frames of Freestyle Greco and folk style. And now they're thinking, I kind of like Freestyle Greco. I kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like folk style. But if I did, if I had to say what I love most, it'd be Greco, Freestyle, Judo, Karate, Taekwondo, folk style. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think if you are training high-level athletes and you're coaching at the level that you're coaching at, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that is where most other coaches would be at. Yeah, for sure, right? And don't get me wrong, folk style is super Yeah, awesome. I mean, but we're the only, who does it? In America, USA? Ones. Yep, we're the only ones. I mean, I get it, the NCAA championships, right, is, are like awesome, right? Like, uh, but to me, there's one other tournament that I think is the equivalent of the NCAAs because, but nobody, nobody's ever been to it, and that's the European championships. And it's, oh my God, I, I've been once and I, I need to go back. I mean, it's like, holy buckets, right? you got countries that are colleges, essentially. You just look at every country like it's college. You just look at your, maybe it's more accountable to Big Tens. Mm-hmm. Europeans would be like Big Tens. NCAAs, you're going to throw them in, but the same kids are winning over and over. And the Big Ten's going to put six guys on the stand. Well, not six, maybe five or four, mm-hmm. but it's still going to happen. And the Big 12s are going to put two, and then you're going to have your spatterings of all the other yeah. conferences. The European Championships are like the Big Tens. You get to see all the matchups you want. It's gonna happen. You're like, oh my God, this is gonna be so great. This guy's gonna wrestle this guy. Oh my God, what's gonna happen next? Oh, it's great. So I got to go to Big Tens last year and I never been and it was super awesome. Oh, and Lincoln. Yeah, Lincoln, yeah. Oh. I've never been. This is the first time I was last year, and I thought it was phenomenal. I got. To, I mean, I watched like every match. Mm-hmm. I was actually watching every match and my phone at the same time because one of our wrestlers, uh, Jacason Burks, was in the finals of Juco National Summit. So that was that was my um, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday was the finals. Mm-hmm. So Saturday, that's what I was doing. I was holding my phone, watching matches. Holding my phone, watching matches. But it's good. So this year, I mean, Big Ten. So hopefully, we have like. Uh, Max Mayfield's at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Um, we could have kids in a couple different conferences going off. Um, well, Burks, you just mentioned, he's at Oklahoma State. No, he was. He, he left to go to Juco. He's in Iowa Western now. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But he wasn't there. But uh, Antoniak's at Pac-12 or Pac-12 with uh, Caleb Coyle. Mm-hmm. Oregon yep. State. Oregon State and Arizona State. And then Entrell's too young at um, Nebraska. Nebraska. I don't think he's – well, shit, the way Mark sounded like he could start him. Who knows, right? But And we'll wait. 65. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think is kind of open. I'm not sure if it's all the way open, but with the new rules, you can uh, wrestle four or five matches, right? Mm-hmm. And not lose your white right. shirt. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they might put it, let him put his toes in the water, which I think would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Big Tens would, will be Max and Antrell at a point, and uh, Connor Canopics at Iowa State. Um, Isaac Trumbull is at NC State. Mm, yes. Garrett Grice is at UVA. Nick Hamilton's UVA. So within the next couple of years. They had a good open tournament. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. They did really good. They both won their tournaments and did a fantastic job. Um, so the next two two years, you know, hopefully we can have six to eight guys, mm-hmm. you know, making that uh, making that run at NCAAs. Wow. It'd be super fun to go to. Yeah. Right? I'm like, hey, I know that guy. I know this guy. <laughs> These are people I know. Like, I, I can 
to cheer, right? Yeah. So I'm not just playing quarter matches with my brothers. Like, okay, <laughs> what color? What, what's he look like? Oh, what's he look like? Oh, that one looks like a, that's a badass single. What a big hit, right? That's how we choose, right? Who's got the cooler single? That's mm-hmm. how we choose matches. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's where, that's what my hope is. That's mm-hmm. what we're seeing, right? That's what I want. I want to see it. As, as a selfish coach, that's what I want to see happen, right? That natural growth, that progression. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Zach Dominguez, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and my new Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget to check out my website at letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Take care, and we'll see you next time.